Thanks for joining us on another episode of Monday Morning Preacher. I'm Matt Woodley, the editor of PreachingToday.com and a 25-year journeyman of the fascinating craft of preaching. This episode of Monday Morning Preacher is brought to you by ctpastors.com, the new home for pastors at Christianity Today. CT Pastors is for working pastors, by working pastors, to equip you for church ministry. Join for free today at ctpastors.com. I'm here with my guest host today, fellow preacher extraordinaire, Kevin Miller. Wow, I love the extraordinaire. Even had like an accent, like a, like a little French flair or something. You are extraordinaire. Thank you, thank you. So, Kevin, back in 1975, I was 16 years old. There was a blockbuster movie that came out that summer. It was the highest grossing film until the first Star Wars film hit. Any idea what it was? I don't remember. Airplane? Wrong. Okay. okay. Let me give you a few clues. Thanks for letting me down gently. Summer. At the beach. Scary. Blood. Okay, okay. And then this. It. Yeah, Jaws. The thriller produced by Steven Spielberg about the giant man-eating great white shark that attacked folks at the New England summer resort town. Well, most people didn't know that this movie was actually based on a novel, and the novel had all kinds of plots and subplots and twists and turns, so Spielberg had to do a lot of cutting from the book, and then once the movie was finished, he had all the scenes, he had to do a lot of cutting of the scenes. For instance, there's this one really weird scene that got cut. The main character, a guy named Quint, he goes to the hardware store to buy some piano wire, so while he's in there, there's this kid who's playing a clarinet in the hardware store. Seriously. That's okay. weird. And Quint is kind of goes crazy, and he starts bopping along with the song, and he gets so loud, he drowns the kid out, freaks the kid out, et cetera, et cetera, and it got cut. So I'm guessing that somewhere in this uh, interminably long introduction of yours, there is a theme for today's podcast. <laughs> There's a theme. So here's what we're going to talk about today. The Preacher's Cutting Room Floor. Oh, great topic. There will be scenes that you want to leave out of your sermon. Stuff, lots of stuff, that you will need to cut and leave on the cutting room floor. So, Kevin, why is this so hard for preachers? Well, I'll speak for myself. Uh, you know, when I've done some my homework, exegesis, and I've thought about something, prayed about something, and I get an, a great insight, I feel very attached to it. It's, it's almost like connected to me. It sure. doesn't feel like my work, like I'm holding it out at arm's length. It feels like it's inside me now. And so the thought of cutting that out then is, is kind of painful. Sure. I think every preacher can relate to that. There's a journalist named Roy Peter Clark who put it this way. He said, when writers fall in love with their words, it is a good feeling that can lead to a bad effect. Exactly what you're talking about, mm -hmm. right? When we fall in love with our words... Clark says, our quotes, our characters, our anecdotes, you know, think of all of our big biblical exegesis, etc. We cannot kill any of them. But then he says, but kill them we must. Ouch. So here's my first bit of advice for preachers. Get used to it. Get used to the cutting room floor. Wow, no more Mr. Minnesota nice guy from Matt Woodley. This is Long Island stuff now. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I think it's really important because when I am reading an article or I'm listening to a sermon, you can tell, and I think our listeners can tell, when the person has put in absolutely everything that they discovered in their research or preparation mm. process. And then you can also tell, and it's a much richer experience, when they had more than they actually gave you and they selected out the very best. You know, we have a preaching prof, Dr. Ken Edwards, on our site here at PreachingToday.com, and he, he said this once. He said, be ruthlessly selective 
about what you include in your message. Go lean, he says. So today we're going to feature a preacher that I think represents going lean. It's H.B. Uh, Charles Jr. from Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And in this clip, H.B. is preaching on Psalm 100, and he's gotten to the point in verse 2 where it says, Shout to the Lord. And so here's what H.B. had to say about that. Notice the text says, Y'all, shout to the Lord, all the earth. Everyone. All people. I think the Holy Spirit put that in there for some of you. who say, that's, that's just not my style. That's not my culture. That's not my background. God is not interested in any of that. He said, I don't care what culture you're from, what background, what your experience is. He, he, in fact, the text is so emphatic that it is commanding that pagans who worship false gods should denounce their dead idols come to Jehovah and joyfully praise him as the only living God. It doesn't have anything to do with your education, your sophistication, your context, your culture, or your background. It's what your mama told you. Your mama said if somebody does something good for you, you ought to at least say thank you. And if God has been good to you, you ought not be ashamed to tell him thank you, Lord. So, Kevin, any thoughts about H.B. Charles Jr. and his approach to preaching here? It's obvious that H.B.'s clearly done his research on ancient Near Eastern culture, but he doesn't overload that. He just gives you enough so you get the context of paganism. And then of the many illustrations he could have used, he just uses one. It's not overloaded with illustrations. It's just how your mama taught you to say thank you. Yeah, it's simple. And, you know, I have been in H.B.'s office in Jacksonville, Florida, And I got to tell you, the guy's got a lot of books, tons of books, commentaries, theology books. He studies hard. He puts a lot into his sermons. But in order to get his sermon lean, I can imagine HB's also got a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor every sermon. He knew how to kill his little darlings. Wow, that's brutal. So, um, but let, let's get practical today, Matt. Like, what practices have you discovered over your years of preaching that yeah. have helped you to leave some things behind? Well, I think one thing is to, to get really clear on what your big idea is, to get really clear. And we said in a previous episode, write it down, get it super clear, and then stay focused on that. Uh, avoid two sermons for the price of one syndrome. You know, I'm, I remember coming to you once with a sermon I was working on to get some feedback. And you told me, wow, Matt, you have two really good sermons in here. And then you said something like, choose ye this day, which one ye shall preach? <laughs> okay, I, I'm sure I did not speak in King James I think English. You did. Okay. <laughs> but we're, we are still friends, right? Uh, and, absolutely. Oh, okay, beautiful. <laughs> you know, I, I've started because uh, I've realized I need to cut some stuff. I, I now play sort of a mental game with myself where I actually take some pride or, or a sense of achievement in how much I can cut. It's quite common for me that the amount of material I cut out of a sermon is at least half as long, sometimes as long as the entire Hmm. sermon itself. So, Kevin, where do you think most preachers could do some cutting room floor work in their sermon? At what point? I think introductions and conclusions. I think preachers spend way too much time getting the plane off the ground and then landing it. 
Um, I spent 13 minutes this summer on an introduction once. The second service, I cut it to four minutes, and I don't think I've lost much. Wow. So what do you think? Well, I, I think you're wrong. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, hey, au contraire, my esteemed is, host. This is shocking. <laughs> okay. Note to self. Do not invite Miller to be okay. a guest host. I think I think the bigger problem is actually not in the introduction, and it's definitely not in the application. I think it's in the biblical exegesis mm-hmm. itself, the central portion of the message, yeah. because everybody knows that's the heart. Everybody spends a lot of time on that. You don't become a preacher unless you love that. And I, I find people trying to pack in two, three, four big ideas where there should really be one. Mm. Um, little side trips into the Masoretic text and ancient Near Eastern culture and things that were eminently fascinating when you had out your Accordance Bible software, right. but most people actually don't really need. Mm. So so you think the middle and the exegesis, I think introductions and conclusions, I think you're right. Wait, you're coming my way? Well, I think I'm right, too. Okay, I'm so glad this is being—wait, uh, wait a second. I think it's everywhere in the oh. sermon. Oh! everywhere. But I think you're more okay, right. Okay, so Mr. Minnesota I, Nice Guy is back no, again. I do think you're more right, because I do agree with you. I think it's more in the exegetical stuff. You get a lot of fat. Well, this is, this is music to my ears to hear the words, <laughs> you are more right. But I am also right. Okay. So one more thing about this topic. Okay. It's not always about the sermon. Sometimes it's about the preacher. Okay. We just over-talk because we're vain sometimes. Yeah. There's sometimes where I found something that's amazing, and it's not a perfect fit for the sermon, but it's just like— it's so hard to say goodbye to it because it's it's either really funny and I know it'll be funny, sure. or it somehow maybe convinces people I really know my stuff. Exactly. There you go. You know, uh, sometimes you can go to the store and you you find some cheap chicken and it'll say, if you look carefully on it, it'll say injected with up to fourteen percent water or chicken broth. You know, just to make it look bigger and more impressive. You know, I think sometimes in our sermons we we're chicken patters. <laughs> <laughs> Block that I, metaphor. I mean, I've been a sermon patter, right? I mean, you just kind of inject it with stuff to make it look a little more impressive, sound a little more impressive, a little more intellectual, etc. I could say something here, but I am chickening out. <laughs> that is way too good. So, preaching friends, take a lesson from good filmmakers. After you've done your sermon prep and written that draft, take another 15, 20 minutes or 30 minutes and and, and go through every sermon, like, like Kevin said. Sometimes you may have more on the floor than, than you're actually using. Trim some words, trim some illustrations, cut some whole scenes out. And uh, as one good preaching prof said, God is eternal, but our sermons need not be. Amen. So thanks for joining us on Monday Morning Preacher, and we hope you tune in next time. Check out Christianity Today's other podcast, The Calling, an interview show about the nature of church leadership and all the joys and struggles that come with that calling. Each episode features one Christian leader, one calling, and one honest conversation.